I'm going to read to you from Acts chapter 1 and 1 Peter 2 before Wayne comes to speak to us. So reading from Acts chapter 1, verse 1. In my first book, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. During the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive and he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, the father alone has the authority to set those dates and times. And they are not for you to know, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. As they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. Now, reading from First Peter chapter 2, starting at verse 4. Peter writes, You are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. Verse 9, For you are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Amen. Thank you, Wayne. Thank you, Jason. So welcome, everybody. Good to see you all. Uh, I, want, I want to start um, by, by sharing something that happened to me last Sunday afternoon. I watched TV, and I thought you should know that. Uh, actually, no, more specifically, I thought you should know something else that I watched. So, uh, so let's just back up the story. So yes, last Sunday afternoon, I was watching my TV at home. What was I watching on my TV at home? I was watching a woman called Heidi Baker. How many of you have heard of Heidi Baker? Many of you haven't, so let me just back that up a little bit further. So Heidi Baker was, is a, uh, um, a Caucasian woman that's been ministering in Zimbabwe for many decades and uh, planted thousands of churches and seen God do amazing and awesome things uh, in and through. Uh, uh, she just calls herself a, a mama. <laughs> I'm just a mama. Loving people for Jesus, that's, what, that's kind of how she talks about herself. So she was speaking 
in a tent meeting. This was the video, this is what I was watching, it's on YouTube. Uh, this, this tent meeting was happening in Kansas City. In Kansas City, uh, that week there was a range of tent meetings happening on the Truman property just uh, as in Kansas City, which is part of the ministry of the International House of Prayer in Kansas City. And different ministries were there and they're holding sessions in these different tents. There are a couple of thousand seat tents uh, with uh, sawdust or mulch floor uh, with no air conditioning. It's summer. So the worship team... God bless the worship teams. They're sweating themselves up on the stage. And uh, they had a range of sessions going all day and night through these tents and different speakers. And in this one, uh, so they, the team handed over to Heidi. And Heidi has a very unique style of ministry. For those of you that have seen her minister... Uh, I've only seen it recorded, I haven't seen it live. But most of the times she begins kneeling on the floor with a microphone and she just invites people to begin to sing to Jesus. Heidi's one of these wonderful people that seems to have, uh, her focus is completely on Jesus. The time frame is irrelevant. The program is irrelevant. Jesus is all that matters. And she began to sing to Jesus and she began to invite the people to sing to Jesus in this hot, sweaty, unair conditioned tent. And people began to sing. Some did, some didn't. Some sang for a little bit, got bored or stopped, or something, got distracted, some stood, some sat. There's all these different dynamics going on. Uh, then there'd be a chorus that would kind of roll through. You could sense this sort of rolling chorus that would come through the crowd and everyone engage again. And Heidi just kept singing to Jesus for about 45 minutes. How do you think you'd go? 45 minutes, do you think you, think you could do it? It's hard. I'm telling you, it's hard. And, and so here's the question that I was, that was provoked in me, was do I rely on these guys or do I know how to engage my spirit with the spirit of God? And if these guys are stripped away, and I, can I sing to Jesus? Do I know how to engage or do I need to be entertained? It was really... I tried to think of another word. Uh, engage was the primary word, and I tried to think of the opposite than that, which is the word entertain. You know, the word entertain is entertain me. You know, do a dance, do a song. You know, come on, worship team, entertain me, right? That's your job. Now, you know that that's not their job, and uh, it was a great blessing this morning to hear engagement. And why I want to share this this morning, because it's, it's, I want to provoke us to again to remember we are not yet where he wants us to be. In terms of our desire for him above all other things and our capacity to gather together to just focus on him and 
lose track of the time, <laughs> you know, clock's ticking, to lose track of the time because we've become consumed with him, with Jesus. We had a really encouraging night in the prayer room on Wednesday night. Nathan was stirred in the afternoon um, by the Lord and, and we, we just began to sing to the Lord in the prayer room. And the, it's available online for you on YouTube to go and have a look and see what, see what God did. And God breathed and it was a glorious and effortless night and we finished at 9 o'clock without having done any, virtually any of the set plan that we had for that night because we'd encountered him. That was what was great and glorious about it and it was effortless in terms of there was prayer, there was worship that went on but it was quite different to what? We had a plan but we just easily set that aside because we gave him our full attention and devotion. If you go online to watch it, don't watch it because it's not there to entertain you. Go and do what? Word starts with E. Engage. Like put it on and engage your spirit and begin to join with it. Add your voice to the recording. Engage with him. Desire him above all things. Oh, these Pentecost readings have been a wonderful gift to us. These 50 days. And I want to personally acknowledge that the person who carried the load of that and the, who, who was provoked and engaged with that was Julie. And she's done all the heavy lifting. And if you've benefited from these, these daily devotionals, then I encourage you to quietly thank her not i'm not talking about clapping or anything right now just if, you, if you've been touched if the lord's spoken to you through those she's done, she was the one she was the impetus behind it saying we have to do this and she's made it happen and she wrote most of them and some of them she put my name to them so you know get married to become one <laughs> but these last couple of days the readings from the, well, all through the readings in the churches of Revelation, if you've been tracking, you, you, you see the progression that we've been going through in the last, this morning and yesterday, were um, things that uh, come, Julie put together some things that Billy Humphrey shared about lukewarmness, Laodicean church. And the thing that stirred in me, and I hope the thing that stirs in you, is that, well, several things. One would be, God, perhaps I'm lukewarm, but I don't even realize it. And that's a really, that, that, that scares me in a good way. And, and I want to encourage you to, to be scared because I read it and I go, I, I, my, I put myself typically in, well, I'm not the lukewarm person. I'm not the cold guy, but from, but I need to, I want to get it from God's perspective. And this is the thing I want us to connect with this morning is I, I need to get from God's perspective. I want to hear what he says and, and where he would put me and what he would say. And if he would say that I'm lukewarm, I must respond to that and not stay in this place. But I need his help because my heart easily deceives me. He is, 
God spoke through Jeremiah. Our heart easily deceives us. It's, it's wicked and evil above everything else. It deceives us. So the idea that we, we can't be deceived, we, we can be. But often we will find ourselves in situations where we're blind to how we're deceived, but other people see it, but we're not open to them speaking it to us. One of the gifts that will come to each of us as we meet on a regular basis in our house church is that gift of actually seeing each other up close in new ways and the choice will be firstly we'll see things that we do not find attractive in one another and what will we do with that what are you going to do with that well I'll go off and find a new house church because those people are ugly I need to find attractive Christians to be... No, you won't do that. Well, you might, but you'll just find the same thing. That ought to stir up prayer. Not just for them, but for you. Because it's so much easier to see the faults and the flaws in other people than it is to see in ourselves. One of the things that used to happen when I, when I was in Bible college, which was a long, 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 long time ago, but uh, one of the one of the gifts to us was a was a class that we called supervised field education with a small we had small groups, and um, one of the things we we took turns doing for one another was we called it holding up a mirror for each other, and very carefully and gently, we would reflect back to the to the person uh, whose turn it was, things that we saw and we would speak things a lot. We would typically use a, this phrase. We would talk about my, this is what I see and my fear is if that you leave that unaddressed, it will end up maturing. That, that thing in your life will end up producing this in your life. But my great hope is that you'll actually respond to the Lord because I know that's your heart and you want to respond to the Lord and you want to get this rooted out of your life and therefore your life will produce much fruit for Christ. So it was this thing, if, my fear is if you leave this unaddressed, this will be the result. But my great hope for you is because I know your heart that you don't want to leave it unaddressed, that you will deal with it before the Lord and therefore it will lead you to a life of fruitfulness and effectiveness for him and your love for him will grow and radiate. So this reflecting reflecting back to one another, these things, will be a gift to you in your house church. It will be. And at times it will be a painful gift. And at times it will be something you won't speak in the whole group either but you'll speak privately to someone. I want to just stop for a moment and pray. I'm, I'm, just, I'm, a, I'm very aware, and so just while you've got your eyes closed, invite the Holy Spirit to bring breakthrough into your own heart and to deliver you from any lukewarmness that he sees there. Keep asking the Holy Spirit to search your heart. Search your heart with that, the light that illuminates truth to, so that you can see the true condition. It's the truth that sets you free. It's letting, seeing the truth.
Say, Holy Spirit, search me. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you engage. To engage with God in worship. In such a manner that you, you don't need to be entertained. Because you, know, you just know how to engage. And you engage your spirit. At home. At work. In the car. In this hall. In the prayer room. You know how to engage your spirit with the Holy Spirit. Ask the Holy Spirit to teach you how to engage your spirit with Him. Just begin to speak out. Just softly, just speak out those opening words of Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord. Come on, soul, bless the Lord. Come on, all that is within me, bless his holy name. Come on, bless the Lord, O oh my soul, all that is within me, bless His holy name, for He alone is worthy, He alone is glorious, He alone is great and magnificent and worthy of all of my worship and praise and adoration. So I will stir up my soul to bless the Lord. I will stir up my voice to bless the Lord. I st will stir up my mind to bless the Lord. I will stir up my emotions to bless the Lord so that all that is within me Blesses his holy name. I will come before you with thanksgiving. I will give you thanks, O Lord. Morning, noon, and night, I will cultivate a spirit of thankfulness and gratitude. I will give you thanks, Lord, for all that you have done, for all of your benefits, for all the work of the cross, for all of the triumph of the cross, for all of the victory of the resurrection and what that means. All these myriad ways, Lord, that you've given, I will remember and reflect and give you thanks for the cross, for the resurrection, for the ascension, for your soon return, for your glorious return. I will pay attention to the signs and the times in which we're living. I will look and I will understand. I will be a man, I will be a woman of understanding that this is the day and this is the hour. And so when I see that day approaching, I will stand with my head held high. I will lift up my head for my redemption will draw near. I will see him coming on the clouds. My eyes will behold the king of glory. I will bow at his feet. I will worship him. I will kneel before you, Lord. I will say, great are you, Lord, and worthy to be praised. Oh, my ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen. And I repent. I said things I shouldn't have said. I thought things I shouldn't have thought. I did things I shouldn't have done. My eyes have seen the Lord of glory. 
the glorious one, the resurrected one, the coming one. The one that one day every eye will see him. Every knee will bow before him. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I've put a few thoughts together that I'd like to share very quickly. On this day when we remember the ascension of Jesus. This is the Sunday closest to it. That we remember the ascension of Jesus. And it's 40 days after his resurrection. And he ascends physically and bodily. And these are important things. And there's at least 11, um, I've said there's at least 11 stunned eyewitnesses. If you've got your Bibles open to Acts 1 and you, you see the disciples and we know that there was 11 left after, after Judas betrayed Jesus and hung himself. And so we know there was at least 11 eyewitnesses to Jesus. There's uh, ascension there. And um, I don't know if you've... Have you ever played this out in your mind? What, what this looked like is what I mean. Have you ever played it out in your mind? Have you ever thought about this? Hang on, you're standing with a group of people... Right Now, Jesus is the one in the group with the resurrection body. So he's clearly different from the rest of you because no one else has got a resurrection body. You know, he's the one that's conquered the grave. He's the one that's come out of the tomb. He's the one who's been walking through walls. He's the one who's been eating, but the food's not, not dropping through on the floor. He, he's, he's that one. He's, he's totally different, but he's very physically present. And he's obviously they've gathered there and he's told them what's going to happen, I guess. I'm sure it wasn't like, you know, see you later, guys. Uh, So he begins to, he just, the scripture says, Luke says that he begins to ascend. Now, this isn't a, this isn't a magic trick. This isn't, you know, hidden wires. It's not a stunt effect from a movie. Jesus begins to rise up off the ground. A a physical man begins to ascend. Luke tells us that they were straining to catch a glimpse of this. And wouldn't you be doing the same? Wouldn't, you know, I can still see him. Can you, you guys got eyes on him? Like, You're not going to be passive, is my point. You're not going to be, wow, this is an interesting day. Let's go fishing. Let's go. It's like it's a day like no other. And you're standing there, they're straining to see where he's gone. And And then Luke says, there's two men robed in white, dazzling clothes, and they asked the obvious question. Why are you looking up into the heavens? You ever walk past a crowd of people that are all looking up? You know, who can resist not looking, right? <laughs> it's a fun game, right, to stand on a street corner with a couple of people and look up and see and watch the people around you who walk past. Everyone's going to have a look. So, what are they looking at? And these two, 
Well, Luke doesn't say they're angels, but I believe they're angels. And interestingly, in Luke 24, the resurrection account, uh, there's two men in dazzling robes as well, in case you haven't put that together. And these two men who appeared at the tomb, they asked the question, why are you looking in a tomb for someone who's alive? Which is a really good question, isn't it? But they didn't know he was alive. So that's why they were looking in the tomb where his body was placed. And these angels show up who look like men dressed in dazzling clothes. And they ask the question, why are you looking for for someone who's living amongst the dead? Because that's not what you do. And so here they ask the same question, similar question. Why are you standing here staring into heaven? At the tomb, the, the men in, robe, in white robes answered their question. He isn't here. He's risen from the dead. What do you think you're feeling at that moment? Disbelief? Joy? Ecstasy? Kind of like, are you guys serious? Like, we saw him, he died. He was on the cross. We saw all that, he died. We never heard of a dead person being not in the tomb and being out amongst the living. And here at the ascension, they say, Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. He's going to come on the clouds and every eye will see him, is how the scriptures talk about it. As I was prepping for today, I thought, People are going to come in here with different range, with a range of emotions. Some people are going to come in, they're tired. Their children are not sleeping properly, they're tired. Some people, well, they didn't spend enough time in bed because they went there so late and they're tired. But there'll be people who'll be discouraged. There'll be people who'll be depressed. There'll be people who are anxious, fearful. I'm not going to ask you to call out the answer to this question, but what's the strongest emotion that you're feeling right now? As I began to consider the ascension, I found that my heart was stirred. My mind was filled with hope. And that's what I want for you today, that you actually leave, regardless of whether you came in tired, anxious, depressed or whatever, that you'll leave with your heart and mind filled with faith, hope, and love today and the reason for that is because Jesus resurrection and ascension understood together they bring, they give to us an indestructible hope that's why it's up there on the screen an indestructible hope right and you think about Jesus resurrection body it's human it's it, he still looks like a human right in his resurrection body it's, it's not an alien body. It's not an otherworldly body. It's human. And that's really important. You think about what he could do with his resurrection body. He could appear and disappear. He could eat. He could enter locked rooms. He could walk through walls. He knew the best places to catch fish. He cooked breakfast on the beach. He taught them the scriptures, showing them God's eternal plan of how the Messiah first needed to suffer before entering into his glory. So it's very clear that we can say that Jesus at this point is indestructible. Because everything that humans have tried to throw at him, which ultimately resulted in his death, has now brought him 
now calls God to raise him from the dead and he is now an indestructible man. And if you think about what does indestructible mean, well, it means incapable of being destroyed. Simply, it can't be ruined, it can't be rendered ineffective. And so when we say that Jesus is the indestructible man, like that ought to do something in us. Right? Because we say, well, Jesus is my saviour, Jesus is my Lord. I'm following Jesus. Therefore, I'm following an indestructible man. Right? Men betrayed Jesus. Men spat on him. Men mocked him. They cursed him. They belittled him. They tortured him. They brutally executed him and they entombed him. But that wasn't the end of the story. So wherever you're at in life right now, it's not the end of the story. You might feel some of that strong emotion, but it's not the end of your story. If you've surrendered your life to Jesus, you have handed control of your life to an indestructible man. You have trusted that his suffering, death and resurrection guarantee your salvation from sin and death. And that one day you will also receive a resurrection body which will be indestructible. Could you say that with me please? I will become indestructible. I have indestructible hope. So that when we think about Jesus' ascension, it's, it, again it's important to understand that this is a physical ascension. It's not an otherworldly ascension. If you know anything about the, what's called the New Age movement, you'll know that they talk about ascended masters, so-called people that have lived on the planet that are now, there's sort of this council somewhere floating around in Vagueville um, of ascended masters. But can I tell you that none of them have eyewitnesses that saw them bodily ascend in the way that Jesus did these so-called ascended are figments of people's imagination. They are what Paul talks about to the Colossians. They are demonic deceptions that have taken people captive. So here we go. You think we, we've got to think about this and we can't do it in the little bit of time we've got allotted to us today. There is a human man who's ascended into heaven, which says there is a man in heaven. There is a man at the right hand of God, and that's Daniel's vision, Daniel 7. Let me read to you Daniel seven thirteen and 14. Daniel says, As my vision continued that night, I saw someone like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. Now, let me just pause here in case you don't know. Son of man was one of the favorite titles and descriptors, that Jesus, descriptors of himself that Jesus used when he was on earth. And everyone understood that he was referencing Daniel 7. The son of man from Daniel 7. He wasn't simply saying, I'm a human man. He was, he was claiming, I am that one in Daniel 7. You want to know who I am? I'm the Daniel 7 man, the man in heaven. It's a powerful statement. I saw someone like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the ancient one, God, and was led into his presence. He was given authority, honor, and sovereignty over all the nations of the world so that people of every race and nation and language would obey him. His rule is eternal. It will never end. His kingdom will never be destroyed. So we, we are in relationship. If you are following Christ, you are following the indestructible man who is in heaven. So 
I want to say it this way. There are three things I want you to think of. He is the indestructible man in heaven. Jesus is the eternal great high priest who restores access to God. And that's all documented in Hebrews chapters 4 through to 10. It's a very long uh, piece of writing. But if you want to understand how all that happens and Jesus becomes this eternal great high priest who's restored access to God for all human beings who come through Christ, you can see it in Hebrews 4.10. And Jesus is the returning King of kings, Lord of lords, who will judge the living and the dead and he will govern the earth from Jerusalem. So people, this I hope this is doing something in you. This realize, this understanding, this is your, wherever you're at today is not the end. You're in relationship with a man who is an indestructible man, who is in the heavens, who will return, who will take over the rulership and the govern, government of the whole planet, including our current prime minister and any future prime ministers. They will bow the knee to him when he returns. And so we have this reality of an indestructible hope. And we, I want to come back to what we talked about last week as the identity that we have as followers of Christ, as holy ones. We are chosen, we are treasured, we are holy. We are, when we are in Christ, we are indestructible. We have an indestructible hope because of these things. Before we surrendered to Christ, we didn't have an identity because we didn't belong to God's family. When we surrender to Jesus, we enter into this reality that he's chosen me. He's chosen me. He chose me. Such powerful. We went through that last week in more detail. And we say, well, hang on. This is who God's created me to be. God has created me to be one who's his image bearer, who lives in this identity and who displays him to the world. Remember Jesus said to his, those first disciples in John 16, he said, here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows. That's important. In this world, we will have many trials and sorrows. So we, we ought not to be surprised by that. I'm not saying we, you're super excited and you need to go look for them. Don't go, don't go look for them, they'll find you. The trials and sorrows will find me, believe me. If you haven't lived long enough to realize that, just keep living. They'll come. Right? So here on this earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. And Jesus said, but take heart, because I have overcome the world. Right? Such a powerful statement, isn't it? So when you think of him as the resurrected one, the ascended one, the man who is given a kingdom that can never be overthrown, this indestructible one. He is, he is that one. The ascension actually reminds us again it, uh, that Jesus has overcome the world and that Jesus will return on the clouds to reign forever. Come on, people. Catch hold of this. Let it fill your spirit. This reality of an indestructible man who's called you to himself, you're in relationship with him, it gives you indestructible hope that regardless of how difficult things get for you, nothing can, nothing can take away this eternal and indestructible hope, right? And we can, we can do all sorts of comparative things. You know, I could say, you know, because this works in every country of the world. 
This works for the people we know living in the slums of the Philippines who are in Christ. This works for the people who are uh, currently the Christians in Ukraine, if there's any left in Ukraine, in Iraq, in Syria, all throughout the Middle East, in Afghanistan. We know this works as an indestructible hope. They live this as well as you. Their hope is fixed on that man who is the indestructible one. And they're secure in that. We can too. You can. Your children can. Teach them about Christ. Teach them to fix their eyes. Teach them. Teach them to look up, as the scripture says. Fix your gaze on things above. There's a time in my life when I was immature. Wasn't that long ago, but way, but a bit earlier before that, my mum used to say things to me about people who are so heavenly minded they're no earthly good. And what she was meaning by that is they have a pseudo spirituality that sort of they use to deflect from the earthly life. You know, the people who are too spiritual to bake a cake for morning tea, right? When the scriptures say, fix your mind on things above, that's not what they're talking about. It's get your eyes up, look up, look up to Christ is what the scriptures are saying. Gaze on him, think about him, that one who is the indestructible man who is coming back. And fix your eyes there. Let him fill your heart with hope. This ain't the end of my story. This isn't the end of your story. I've got a hope that can't ever be taken away because of Christ. Because of who he is. The one who was crucified, resurrected, ascended and will return in the same way. I'm just wondering if there's some people here this morning who are a bit like the disciples And the question that was asked by the angels in the tomb, why are you looking for the living amongst the dead? And the sense I have with that is that some of you, you keep going back to things that are dead in your life. And that God has said, leave this behind. But you keep going back to it. And he's saying, no, that's not where you'll find my life. My life is in Christ. Don't go back to things that are dead. Don't keep looking amongst the dead. Let's pray together. Holy Spirit, please make us people who live with indestructible hope. And Holy Spirit, make us people who know how to engage our spirit with you.